welcome to the XYZ Podcast, the podcast where we talk about entertainment and the creative process. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm your Z. I'm Eco. I'm your Y. And today's X Factor is... King Glorious Bastards. King Glor- yeah. yeah. Welcome to the first edition of uh, XYZ Reacts. XYZ Z Reacts, Reacts videos. So Eco has never seen the film... The Inglorious Bastards, directed by one Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. Uh, fairly recently, it was my birthday. Yeah. Uh, Eco joined me to see the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that is where I learned that he has not seen very many Tarantino movies. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and both Kill Bills, and I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you you skipped Jackie Brown, and then you just stopped after Kill Bill. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the order well enough to, to like know. Yeah, uh, I know it a little too well because I'm just a basic film bro. Film bro. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like a lot of people uh, like 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 it's almost become cool to not like Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> which I kind of understand because like people are people may have gotten a little overly obsessed with him. Yeah, uh, but I I still love him. Wait, uh, so um, what's uh like? What what are the elements of his style that you that make you love him? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like I don't love every movie of his, so I just want to. I don't know. I I just rewatched Reservoir Dogs the other day. Yeah, you said you didn't like. I I actually love Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, too, but yeah, uh, no, it's fair. Yeah, I think still... part of it is is just I've seen his other movies, and I feel like Reservoir Dogs specifically is like it just feels so film student compared to the rest of them. Okay. Like I feel like he's developed his style. Like even a couple years later in Pulp Fiction, which is maybe. Probably my favorite one of his. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought Reservoir Dogs was after Pulp Fiction. No, Reservoir Dogs is his first one. Okay. He self-financed it, I believe, off the script he sold for. I want to say, what was it, True Romance? I think he okay. sold the script to True Romance, and he used that money, and he was like, all right, well, I'm going to get a couple big actors, and I'm going to... And that's why it's so threadbare. Like, yeah. there's no real... Most of it takes place in one place. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, I'm I'm bad at like putting into words what it is, uh, and I know sometimes it can be a little annoying when filmmakers are a little uh, referential to other things, and he's kind of the big oh I'm referential to all my influences, and that's what you see a lot in a lot of okay, sure. people that um are are deemed auteurs or whatever. Yeah, uh, but he clearly loves movies. All his films are references to other genres yeah, yeah. that he like grew up loving. Yeah. Um, he likes to have his characters seem to have this, uh, incredible filmic knowledge. Like, you yeah, see- like, yeah. In this movie, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the characters knew a lot about films, especially like, I guess German films before the, the pre-Nazi era. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Weimar, Weimar cinema. Weimar uh, cinema I may have taken yeah. a, a class on, okay, uh, yeah. on German cinema before World War Two, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, not to toot my own horn. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a, that was actually a big plot point in the movie. So. It was a big plot point. Oh, yes, yeah, of course, spoilers for Glorious Bastards. Oh movies, yeah, yeah but just complete spoilers. You complete, have that complete you have spoilers. That, yeah, you have that full scene where Michael Fassbender is going full. I went to film school to Michael Myers. Mike Myers. Mike Myers oh, in this fucking that movie. That was Michael Fassbender. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was trying. That's why during that scene, I was kind of like giggling next to you, just being like, "You know who that actor is?" Yeah. And I was pointing at Mike Mike Myers, but then I was also kind of being like, "And I, you know the other guy?" Like I figured you yeah. just knew Fassbender. I think he's in the newer Macbeth. There's another newer Macbeth. He's in Macbeth 
from like 2016, I want to say. Yeah, the new. Yeah, I've yeah. heard. I've heard actually really good things about that one. Yeah, yeah. him and uh, Marion. Co- I'm gonna butcher her last name. French. Cotillard. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. Whatever. We don't speak French very well. It's okay. <laughs> we speak uh, French as well as Brad Pitt speaks <laughs> Italian. Oh my god. No, sorry. As, as well as Brad Pitt speaks Italia. Oh, uh, fuck. I was trying to do his character. Aldo Rain accent. Yeah. Which is oh, Italian. There you go. Italian. Italian. Uh, oh, man. I love Brad Pitt in this one. Uh... Oh my god, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, he he has a he likes to jump around in his films. Yeah, uh, yeah, I noticed chronologically. That. I mean, this one it goes. It gets fairly chronological. It's fairly chronological. There's the occasional flashback, but he does kind of he he makes it a little chapter book. He yeah. he makes. I mean, he had a movie called Pulp Fiction, but yeah. all his movies you can tell there's like a reverence for Pulp Fiction in general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I feel like like he likes to take pulpy genres. And just play around with them. But what is a, what defines a pulp in in this sense? The pulpy genre is kind of um, it, it's oh man, I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it. Like 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 anything that's pulp fiction specifically, uh, I believe it's named after. Um, I mean, it's named after you know like how you get pulp yeah. and orange juice, but I think it has to do with. Uh, people are screaming at me through. I can already tell, and that's that's only making me more pause when I'm trying to explain this because I know there's like a legitimate uh, description of it. Uh, like, because I think it has something to do with the fact that the pages were made from pulp and they were cheaply made. Sure. And the yeah, idea yeah. is that it is like like B movies. Okay. Is, yeah. In, like like a B film would be um, an example of pulp fiction. It's the idea. It's it's kind of this classless. Uh, uh, section of fiction. It's not it, it, it's something that by more snobby people might not be deemed as um, literary, like relevant in, in a literary sense. Yeah, but ironically, he elevates that style. Exactly. Is, yeah. Well, I think the yeah. idea part part of his idea is he's he's being like, no, it's kind of dumb. Uh, we yeah. make the movies we love, and that's what he's doing. He's yeah, and that's movies. what makes them good. Not not like the genreness or non genreness of them. Yeah, because like Pulp Fiction is great, but like some of the stuff of, like that happens in it is kind of dumb. Like it's the, the plot way. points are right. yeah yeah it's their 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 pulpy yeah they're uh, like 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 John Travolta dancing like that was like that looks kind of dumb but okay he loved I mean it's cool yeah it's well, cool like it's dumb and cool like part, yeah. of the, part of the fun thing is he takes these like serious subjects yeah and he kind of like kind of bears them into their oh like these people think they're a little high and mighty like in Pulp Fiction they're yeah. they're hitmen. Yeah, uh, and Samuel Samuel's got like badass motherfucker on his wallet. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of showing the fact that like these people, like in other films, you often have these like self serious assassins. Yeah, and that's who these guys are. And then the first scene you see them in is they're arguing about hamburgers. Yeah, and the idea is that they're kind of just like showing that like yeah, you know, like the, all these people are a little, um, you know, they're they're. They're not serious. Like, no one is... We yeah. should not hold anybody up to this, like, sense of reverence. Yeah. Uh, which is and ironic, because a lot of people hold Quentin Tarantino up yeah. to a level of reverence. And now that you said that, that I was like, that reminds me of the, you know, the scene in the diner for Reservoir Dogs where they're mm-hmm. discussing, and they're just, like, they're talking about tipping, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I hate about that specific scene is how much it gave a lot of shitty people... Who took those characters seriously? Oh, the bad fan of 
Yeah, yeah. Badness of them. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of bad fans of Reservoir Dogs, and that's part of why I don't like it. Is, is I don't know. Uh, the bad fan is to make people tip less. Yeah, yeah. A bit. Uh, uh, I, I, I. That's me over reading into it. But like, you can even see in this movie, I feel like with Hans Landa, he kind of comes in, uh, and he's this guy. He's he's the Jew hunter, and you saw me kind of yeah. just like relishing and enjoying his, even though his character is a complete monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. But Christoph Waltz just gives such a. It's amazing. a good. It's a good. He won the Oscar. It's a good. Uh, it's a rightfully so. Yeah. He fucking kills yeah. it. Uh, this is like the really the movie that like introduced him to American audiences. Uh-huh. I think. Like, I mean, it's definitely the one that like gave. It's his biggest role, and then Django Unchained's probably his next one, uh-huh. which you apparently haven't seen. I haven't seen that either. No. Um, but uh, uh, you can kind of see with him and, and and also Daniel Bruhl's character. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Zol, Zol, yeah. Zoller, the, the sniper guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frederick Zoller, I think. Do, do all his characters have Z for their last name? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, I'm trying to remember what. This is just a reference to Baron Zemo or Zemo. Oh, you were talking about okay, yeah, yeah. Daniel Bruhl. Well, oh, he played yeah. that guy in Rush. Nikki Lauda. Oh, I guess who, not. Not, yeah. not everyone then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was also in this great German movie uh, years before this one called okay. Goodbye Lenin, which okay. is like the idea is that uh, he's like East German and his mom loves the USSR. Yeah. Uh, and then like his, his mom's dying or in a coma or something. And it's right around the time that the Berlin Wall falls. Yeah. And the USSR is done. And he kind of, the whole plot of the movie is that he's like trying to trick his mom into believing that the USSR is still a thing. Oh, wow. Because she loves it so much, and he's just like, no, we're just, we're not going to let you know. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful little movie. Anyways, sidebar over. Yeah. Uh, both him and Hans Landa, I feel like, are characters who almost, there, there was like, this is what I was really watching this time, is that there's kind of like a weird parallel to the two of them, and that they yeah. both take themselves, they think they're hot shit. They, they take themselves very seriously. Yeah. And clearly, like, characters like, like Melanie Lor- Shoshana, yeah. Uh, Melanie Laurent's character is like, no, oh, you, you, and you're a Nazi guy. I yeah, yeah. I don't like you. My whole, f- I'm Jewish, and my whole family was killed by Nazis, but I can't tell you that. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, uh, and they're both, both him and Hans Landa are, are kind of huge dorks. Yeah. But uh, like, oh yeah, they're, they're very awkward and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but. Um, but no one's telling them that yeah. because one's a war hero and yeah. well, I guess the other is also kind of a war hero to the people of, of, uh, yeah. So, the Nazis. Nazis. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the, uh, so no one is, so they kind of believe their own hype. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of like feels like it, it's very similar is, is they're both just kind of huge dorks. Um, I mean, in many ways, Han Vonda character is like super capable yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Like you have that whole scene uh, where he confronts them at the movie premiere. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and he yeah. he knows because he found the napkin. He knows that Bridget yeah, von yeah. Hammersmith yeah. uh, is the. Uh, oh, I have a parallel story to this, but go ahead. Yeah, okay, describe, okay. Keep on describing the scene. I have, uh, I have an interesting parallel story. That's yeah. Too, so yeah. so he walks up and he he just looks down and he sees her. Uh, he he looks down from the balcony. He sees her and like Brad Pitt and the other two yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And he just kind of smiles and he goes down and he talks to them. And the whole time he knows, he knows, he, he knows. knows. He just he knows. Uh, and, and so like he's just fucking with them. He's fucking with he's, them. It's oh my god! So I I just love. 
Because they had that scene earlier where they were in the veterinarian taking the bullet out of her yeah, leg. Exactly, yeah. She's like, what are we supposed to tell them? And Brad Pitt goes, you're mountain climbing. Germans like to do that. Yeah. She's like, no, that's ridiculous. And so she tells Hans Landa that she was mountain climbing. Yep. And he goes off and laughs forever. He laughs so Be- much. Yeah. Because it's like a very genuine laugh. Because he's yeah. he knows, no way is Bridget von Hammersmark going ma- like that's the lie you're going yeah, to that, tell me that's the one that's what you're gonna go with uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. and she can kind of even feel it because she was like yeah I, I didn't even believe that uh, yeah. uh, but just for you know she's hoping he doesn't um, yeah uh, and then he just kind of starts speaking fluent Italian to Brad yeah, Pitt exactly. yeah, he's, yeah. Clear, who he and, knows are not Italian speakers. Yeah, and then they just uh, and then they just go on and embarrass themselves with the well. I mean, so the the second guy, uh, the bear Jew, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eli Roth's character. Yeah, what's uh, Donny Donny Donovich? Donovich is is, is, is like in, in, in universe character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he he actually has the at least it's at least it's New York Italian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's like okay, like you recognize it, but dude, Brad Pitt's is just like his uh, Aldo's is just like. Um, well, I'm from Tennessee. Yeah, Bonjourno. He he is <laughs> just has that full on that Aldo Rain yeah, accent. Yeah. Bonjourno. Uh, something I love about both this and Once Upon a Time yeah. is that I feel like because Brad Pitt's always kind of been best as a character actor, but he's so goddamn handsome. Yeah, that he doesn't get those kind of roles a yeah, lot. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the only really like fun Brad Pitt roles we've gotten over the past ten years. Have been this and Once Upon a Time, <laughs> yeah. Like he was all right in Fury, uh, but you know he's still kind of the oh I'm the leading man, and, and he still kind of has like a leading man almost. And but yeah. just Quentin Tarantino lets him go off the reservation, yeah, a little with, bit. yeah, with the yeah that was that was a hilarious <laughs> scene, and and Hans Lana just keeps on being like yo say that one more time, say that one more time, Gorlami, Gorlami, <laughs> Margariti, and then the yeah. So uh, my, par- my my parallel my parallel story to this is um so I I used to go to this blues jam at Kingston Mines on Sundays right yeah uh it's still I mean it's still a good jam but it's like to you know I've all passed it whatever but so I I I went to this jam and, the, and uh like one of the last times I went there's this guy that went up who just like was just very bad at singing very bad like mm-hmm. like like I don't he may he may actually be literally tone deaf because. Like none of his notes were ever in the vicinity of being correct. I mean, there's people that like are sound weak or maybe like have most of the notes right, but sometimes go off. He had like none of them right, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is shockingly bad, like for me." And so, so okay, for the first time he went up, he did it. We're like, "Okay, whatever." Then now that it's over, fine, let's move on. And the second, this is the week after that, I went. So the host of this is a is a guy named of the jam is a guy named Lindsey Alexander, old Chicago blues dude. You know, like he's still doing it. He's still playing guitar. He's still, you know, singing and all that stuff. Still putting out albums, commenting on social com- social commentary about social media. It's like I think one of his singles is called "Facebook Woman." <laughs> so he's trying to stay relevant, all this stuff. But yeah, so he's a he's the host. Yeah. He lets he lets this guy come up and sing, and uh, the guy sings "Thrill Is Gone." Okay, so at the end, at the end, so usually there's like a drop at the end of blue songs where basically all the instruments drop out and then the singer has this one last line and that's like the button on the on the song right so so this button comes up everybody else drops out this guy hollers hollers the last line of the song it's terrible <laughs> lindsay alexander's like sing it again 
And then he hollers it again. It's terrible again. Yeah. And Lindsay cracks up and he's like, say it again. This happens one more time. And uh, Lindsay's like, one more time for the road. <laughs> he just cracks up and like, oh, man. That yeah, that scene totally reminded me of that. Oh man, Gorlami, Gorlami, yeah, Gorlami. There we go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, to that no, dude, that's great. To that dude's credit, he actually came back the week after that. He was not deterred by this. Yeah, yeah. He's so, just he's doing him. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Living his best life, man. <laughs> yeah, well, he got encouraged though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, the the point I just wanted to end there was that. You know, he's just so used to not losing. Yeah. Hans Landa. Yeah. And then in the end, like, he, he, he doesn't, he just, he kind of takes Brad Pitt at face value. And he yeah, kind of, he doesn't. He kind of underestimates him, which yeah. he doesn't expect the whole part at the end where he kills Herman, the radio operator. Yep. And then uh, Charlie yeah. Manson's him in the forehead. Yeah, with the, uh, yeah. Uh, with the, the swastika. Wait, did Charlie, did Charles Manson do that? Like, so he does the forehead thing, but what was the symbol? Actually? Okay. Uh, yeah. So... I believe it was while he was standing trial. Yeah. Um, Charles Manson, just to like create more hype about himself. Just, it was, I believe at the time it was originally either an X or like, I think it was an X. Okay. He carved an X in his forehead. Okay. And then eventually in prison, he turned it like, this was after he was already caught after the murders. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all of it was after the murders. Yeah. Um, and like a bunch of his followers also carved uh, a lot of the women who were in, uh, th- I'm just finding this to be an interesting parallel because of yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hollywood and this movie has a lot of swastikas in the forehead. Yeah. Uh, or at least two. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. it's implied that there's much more. Than yeah, there's it. implied that there's uh, many more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and eventually he turned it into a swastika. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, underestimated, yeah. So what... Uh, this is your first time having seen Yeah. That. What are your? I want to hear your general thoughts. General, general reactions. General thoughts. I've seen this. This is like my fifth time seeing it. Oh, dude, it's a uh, so like I can definitely for me. I see that I the biggest parallel is, is Reservoir Dogs. The way he builds tension. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah, tension yeah, yeah. is like all over the place. This sweeping, you know, the camera, the, the the swirling camera. This this movie has so many great. I mean, you have the first scene at the milk, for, uh, the yeah, dairy yeah, farm, yeah, the dairy farm. Yeah. Uh, that's a great scene of just like building tension yeah there's a great college humor video where they do something similar uh i think he appealed did a similar sketch too um i don't know uh it's definitely like a scene that's been aped before yeah uh but like the bar scene had built some great tension yeah that bar scene had yeah uh sure. oh that was I, I had actually seen the part where, where the guy gives himself away i just didn't realize it was this movie I, I saw you nodding during that, like, right when that happened. Because I was like, oh, yeah, you yeah, recognize yeah, 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 I've seen that. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw this as something else. And um, it's like a, there's a, there's two random parallels I can draw. So I, I remember telling my boss about that. And he's like, he does, the, he's a, he's actually, his background is his family is from England, I think. Uh-huh. But um, he also does the three, like, the way the Germans do in the movie. And it was just like, I guess it just felt natural because I, this, yeah, you do the, you do the, if you hold your pinky and your thumb together, it does kind of feel unnatural. I can see where that's like, this is more ergonomic. Yeah. The, um, the bunny ears three, but yeah, so I remember, I remember recognizing that. So that's the other parallel is like, I remember this is, um, uh, there was, this, this is completely, again, this is related to music. So there, uh, there was a video by Adam Mealy who's talking about, um, the, the real book or the fake book or like, 
the jazz standard transcription uh, Bibles, I suppose. And uh, he calls like whether the what keys you 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 learn your music in, your jazz standards in, as a shibboleth, or I don't know, maybe I do. You, do you know the term yeah. shibboleth? Shibboleth. I I feel like I recognize the term. Yeah, it's like it's from. It's actually from. I'm just gonna Google it around so okay. I don't fuck it up. But it's like a. But the idea is, it's like a. It's a code word or like. Um, they they do this in the wire where they it's they use they use rap artists as as the sh- as the shibboleth. Uh, it's like the people like so the wires of Baltimore set mm. TV series and like at some point like deals are coming in from New York to try to take over territory. So the so the way a couple of Baltimore assassins go around trying to figure out who's who is asking about Baltimore rap artists essentially to see if they would know because mm-hmm. only like if they yeah. They wouldn't know if they weren't from Baltimore. Um, this quickly reminds me because that specific yeah. scene, yeah. I felt like had a little bit to do. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I thought I, it, it sounded Hebrew. Yeah, because uh, that, that's why I wanted to throw it over to you. Because uh, like, yeah, like I, I remember I hearing say it's Shibolet. 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 I think this was like a code word, maybe in the early days of Israel or something like that, mm-hmm. or maybe in one of the. X, maybe an Exodus or something like that, but I, I just yeah I remember that as I think something that gives away somebody undercover yeah or yeah. or yeah yeah or just like a red flag yes uh, the quick thing I was gonna say is yes. uh, in addition to Daniel Brule and uh, his character and and Hans Landa like the arrogance of having never been said no to yeah uh, and kind of and that being a little bit of their downfall because yes. you know that's also Daniel Brule's downfall where yeah. he's like oh. Shoshana, as he thinks, uh, Emmanuel uh, Mimo is giving in, is like giving into his his charms, and then yeah, he yeah. shoots him. Yeah, and he lets his guard down. Yep. Uh, shows her back, but also that's a that's Michael Fassbender doing the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, where he kind of comes on screen. He's initially he's kind of very playing this very kind of snobby British guy. Yeah, uh, that's the first way we see him as just this like very well spoken, very uh, and he, he, he clearly seems like he knows his shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and even when, when he meets the bastards, there's, he kind of looks down on them a little bit. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're the bastards. They're inglorious yeah. bastards. Yeah. And he's this fancy British guy. Yes. Uh, yes. uh, and he even looks at, uh, Hugo Stiglitz and he's like, is this guy, like, he basically says, oh, I think this guy might give us away. Yeah. And then he ends up being the one who gives them away. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. It's funny. Uh, just so effortlessly. Like, he feels confident in himself. Yeah. And the way he did it, actually, at the beginning, yeah, yeah. He's, he's so confident in the way he's like, leave us the fuck alone, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And not realizing that his accent would draw more attention and all this stuff. Yeah. Not realizing that there was also a German officer. Yeah. In the a major, a higher ranking one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who I, I didn't realize until this showing, or maybe I have realized, but I forgot that he shows up earlier in the movie. Oh, does he? Yeah, you know the scene where they take um, Shoshana to like the diner. She meets God. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and Hans, she meets Hans Landa. Yeah, yeah. Is she that guy's also there in that scene? I see. Okay. Um, yeah. He's a very small part, but yeah, I don't know. I I love that bar scene. Yeah, the um, the tension. So this reminded me of a the, a, lot, a lot. The tension that's built throughout this movie is like, uh, especially in the civilian scenes, right? Yeah. Um, or or mostly like. Especially like the first one before the soldiers actually come in, where they're just chatting, and you don't realize what he's there for exactly. Um, it reminds me of like it was actually uh, a commentary on, about Fury, 
where it's like, you know, when there's an occupying army, like nothing, like things may seem friendly, but there's always an implicit threat of violence in the background. Mm -hmm. And that was the way with, you know, the first scene. And it was, yeah, it was very friendly until you realized what he was actually there for. But you, you, you like felt that implicit threat of violence through the acting and through, you know, everything, all the cinematography and everything. And of course that was also, uh, when, when Shoshana deals with, uh, Zola the first time, it's like, the, yeah, it's it's pretty friendly, but it's still there's that implicit threat of violence in the background. You can see it in her eyes yeah. every time yeah. that she's facing away from him. Yeah, um, and, and you can, yeah, yeah, and and the the thing is, is also he doesn't seem to be feeling the implicit because he yeah. feels a little bit invincible. Uh, yeah, and it's like he may he may even like you know like he may. I don't think this is the case, but even if he didn't have any intention of trying to use his power, yeah. Like it's still there's still that implicit threat that he just doesn't realize. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any other immediate reactions that you have to this movie? Let me see. Like the um, yeah. So like the humor at the end was was cool because so the with the with the scene with Hans Landa, um, basically having you know having the sit down with him. That's a bingo. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It's it's interesting because there's like not very much humor leading up to that. Yeah, yeah. So well, like, that's the thing is his character's so confident that he feels like he can kind of just be silly in front of them. Yeah, and it's it's mocking them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. So he sounds like Borat when he says that. By the way, <laughs> that's I, I can't a bingo. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for, yeah, that scene and the the earlier one where he's uh, where he's just confronting them with in the at the at the cinema. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Oh, the other thing that reminds okay. So the this I feel like this this feels like a Tarantinoism, but again, not having seen all mm-hmm. of his stuff, is like the um the interweaving threads kind of randomly coming together at the yeah. end. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean you see that uh in I think almost all his movies where yeah. uh where he's kind of telling two multiple stories and then they come together. Yeah. Uh, and you get that one like Shoshana Dreyfus's story is completely different from the bastard story. Yeah. Uh, and, and hers is arguably more intertwined with Hans Alanda. Yeah. Uh, since he killed her family. And yeah. then you, they kind of come together in the end. I would make the argument that she is one of the inglorious bastards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. even though she's not officially one. Yeah. Uh, well, she did lock, help get the doors locked. She did basically do everything. Yeah. Uh, like it basically would have worked without. Yeah, the Inglorious Bastards didn't have to be there. Yeah. Admittedly, they 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 made sure Hitler was dead. Yeah, they uh, made really sure it melted his face off with bullets. Oh yeah. <laughs> was, oh, uh, <laughs> the way uh, Eli Roth just like looks at him while he's shooting yeah. his at this point just rubber body. Yeah, it's yeah. very clear. It's very clearly it's, rubber. It's very it's so clearly. Clear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just full of holes and just like seething with hate that he knows he's just like I'm just gonna keep killing Hitler. Yeah. But I do I would make the argument that right there it does kind of look like oh maybe Hitler had a, like an escape route at that balcony like they didn't lock those doors. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah well, I guess he locked the uh, did Marcel lock the outer doors? Yeah, know. the he, uh, the audience. He doors. might not have been able to get away. Or, true, true, true. He yeah. might yeah, but um, and, and her fight like they definitely helped expedite the process because yeah. they blew up the whole theater yeah. and hers was just fire. You know, they were going to die slowly and painfully yeah. uh, with hers and and they all kind of immediately died when all the dynamite went off. Yeah. Um, 
but I yeah, I think I think the the bastards could have done nothing. Uh, and it all would have still gone down okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, she's she's probably the most important bastard. Yes. Uh, actually, yes. <laughs> in the scheme of things, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, the one thing I didn't. Okay, so the one thing I didn't expect was that I thought there would be more of the um, the uh, the just randomly ambushing Germans and killing them. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. They don't show as much of they that. They don't really show as much of that, yeah. Like, I originally, just from the premise of the movie, or from that scene where they're introduced, I thought there'd be more of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but to be fair, that's actually not... It probably wouldn't have been as interesting, to be honest. It might not have been, but it would. it's, like, fun to imagine that. And it would have been fun, because they kind of... They did do, like, the big on-screen of just the whole... Hugo Stiglitz, and they just like yeah. put the the name down on screen, and they do the same for the Bear Jew. Yeah, and they kind of have cool intro scenes for those guys, yeah. and then the rest don't really get mentioned. And and then later we find out that B J Novak's character is just called the Little Man. The Little Man, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's just funny. it's so weird seeing like him in that role because uh, you know he's from The Office. Uh, he's You've seen The Office, right? I've seen The Office, but I just don't, I don't remember his character. Okay. Actually. He wasn't as me Like, that guy wrote more for The Office than... Like, he was a character on The Office. Okay, he was, yeah. But he, he was in the opening credits. He was major enough for that. Okay, yeah. Uh, there are, like, three guys who were, who were effectively nameless. BJ Novak's not totally nameless. Mm-hmm. But uh, who are all, like, actors that I vaguely recognize on The Inglourious Bastards. So you've got Sam Levine. Okay. He was in the TV show Freaks and Geeks. And who was he here? Um, so he's not really named. Okay, He yeah. kind of says one line when they're first introducing the bastards kind of during the um, that first scene with the Bear Jew. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. one scene where we really get an ambush with them. Yeah. Uh, so he, he pushes the prisoner forward. And he, like, all the Inglourious Bastards... Who are unnamed just look like small Jewish guys. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, um, which it, I mean is fair. Uh, uh, it's interesting that they call BJ Novak's character the the little man when I feel like Sam Levine's littler. Yeah, uh, he he played the one of the main geeks in the TV show Freaks and Geeks. Okay, yeah, uh, kind of you know he was basically like a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting seeing him in this. And then this guy, Paul Rust, uh, you've seen the TV show Love. I actually have not even heard of that. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's co-created by him, his wife, and Judd Apatow. Okay. But he's one of the, uh, he's one of the bastards. Okay. Uh, and, and he's also like a big improv- improviser in LA. He's on a lot of pod, like whenever he comes on a podcast that I like as a guest. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. I think he's a very funny guy. So yep. it's interesting they got a lot of... Because Sam Levine's also more of a comedian. They got a lot of more comedic actors yeah. to play... Uh, the rest of the Bastards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's... I don't know. It's fun. But yeah, you would expect that the, you'd get a little bit more of like guerrilla warfare and just watching them. Yeah. Th- I mean, they are guerrilla warfare a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I was mentioning to you beforehand, before we started recording... I was I was comparing this a little bit to the movie ba- uh, the Battle of Algiers. Algiers, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, so that came out in like the sixties or so, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a movie about the Algerian resistance, okay, to uh, French French rule and how they they got independence, okay, yeah. Uh, and it's about like it's about guerrilla fighters, yeah. Uh, and and a lot of the people they 
who were playing those guerrilla fighters were the actual guerrilla fighters in uh in the Algerian resistance. Oh, yeah. Uh who, you know, France essentially saw these people as terrorists. Yeah. Um uh it's a, and it's interesting. It's it's a it's a parallel to this movie because you have uh Frederick Zoller's character, yep. that character playing himself in a movie. Yeah. Where, and so it's the same exact thing essentially. Yeah. Uh except uh, I think it was an Italian movie. I think I told you earlier it was French. But okay, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, anyways, it was scored by Ennio Morricone, yep. uh, who scored this movie, and they also used the theme from that movie when they were freeing Hugo Sticklick's character. Okay. Uh, and so, like, you can tell that this movie is a little bit influenced by movies that are like that. Yeah. Uh, just war films from the 40s through the 60s. There's a couple where they started their own, actually. I, I remember, I think there's a Brit that started his own, I forget. Yeah. Who, there's a couple that I, I just remember reading about. Well, I mean, speaking of Reservoir Dogs, one of the... It might have been Mr. Blue, I think? One of the actors in that movie actually was a bank robber. Okay, yeah. Uh, before he got into acting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of, like, the... Um, there's a couple of actors in on The Wire, but it's a minority, but there's a, a couple of actors from The Wire were actually, like, Baltimore drug dealers. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the, or I'm not sure if that's completely accurate, but they're definitely like from Baltimore and like were gangbangers of some sort. Yeah, the 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 main one's actually um, the one the one who played Snoop. I don't I, in, in in universe her name is Felicia Pearson, but I don't remember her actress her actual the actress's yeah. name. The actress. Uh, I know there was actors in like I think the actor who, who played one of the guys. Oh, it is Felicia Pearson actually. But, oh. Yeah. The, that's the actress's name? Yeah. Did she, her character had the same name as her? Yeah, yeah, same name. Very interesting. On the wire, yeah. Uh, did you know, this is totally tangential, uh, but it just came to mind, the Bear, uh, the bear Jews character. Yeah, Donnie something, yeah. Donnie, uh, so he's played by the director, Eli Roth. Okay. Uh, you know who he is? No. Okay. He does, he's famous for being gorier than Quentin Tarantino. Okay. He he does like a lot of he's a fairly biggish name in like horror, especially gory horror movies. Yeah. Uh I'm having trouble thinking of any that he specifically did. He did one called The Green Inferno fairly recently. Um His character was originally supposed to be played by Adam Sandler. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Uh I'm kind of like cause that there's there's clear, clearly a goofiness to that character. I feel like uh, you, you want that goofiness layered with menace. With menace, exactly. Yes, yes that's the word. Yes. And I feel like uh, I know he's Adam Sandler's given good performances before in non-comedy movies. Yeah, uh, I just don't see him as a menacing. I could not. I could not feel him being menacing in that role. Right. Yeah. I don't think I could either. <laughs> uh, yeah. What other reactions? Um. Have you ever? Pl- I think I've talked about this game before. Have you ever played the game Commandos? Commandos? Yeah, you might have. I don't remember talking about it. It's a PC game, and it's basically. I mean, you control a group of commandos in World War Two. Yeah. They're Allied commandos, and it's like it go. It covers basically for like whatever, like thirty, maybe even thirty nine, but just forty, forty one all the way to the end of the war, and it's just like you sinking around behind German lines, and like it's a. Uh, Killing Nazis. Killing Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's um 
they all have sight lines, right? They have they have uh, fixed reactions to certain things, right? So if they see a dead German, they run over to it, to the body, and then look around, like try to figure out what's going on. But usually they just have patrol routes, right? Yeah. There's a lot of running around, knifing people in the back, and then hiding the body. It reminded me a little bit of that, but not not completely. Um, there was there was one part, uh, and I think of the second game, or maybe it was the first game, but they they made contact with the resistance uh, with the resistance spy, just stuff like that has very much of the same feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- that's the thing with a lot of Tarantino movies; is they kind of like to go and they kind of explore a lot of those genre tropes and so i feel like this explores a lot of the guerrilla warfare tropes and the guerrilla like the like yeah, kind yeah. of like pulpy behind em- end of enemy yeah, lines yeah leave one alive to send back to tell the story thing except that's played for the other for the other other way yeah, yeah. uh and it yeah well they're they're kind of they, they they're trying to be spooky characters and yeah. they they are they're being they're they're supposed to be these merciless beasts essentially yeah uh and to connect it with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I feel like I'm, I'm not trying to spoil Once Upon a Time in Hollywood unless you want to do that. Also. But spoiler warning: uh, this this happens fairly early uh, in the movie. Yeah. But you see that. In fact, I think this happens in the first scene of the movie. Okay. Uh, you see that uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character sits down. Uh, Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton uh, sits down to talk to uh, Al Pacino's character. Uh, at that restaurant, they're kind of going through Rick Dalton's filmography. Yep. And there was that movie he starred in. Oh, yeah, 14 Fists of McCluskey. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay, yeah. I forgot. Uh, the one where he specifically gets on a balcony and, and flamethrowers Germans, yeah. which feels like a direct, um, a very direct reference to this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, but I feel like, like this movie is kind of aping that genre of movie that that movie was supposed to be yes is this kind of pulpy action flick that's just like satisfying to watch yeah um uh maybe it's not you know some sort of literary piece or it's not a film in quotation marks yeah uh it's not like a cinematic treasure but it's like it's just like it's a little bit of the old ultra violence yeah uh but it's also just like this idea of like american heroism against uh, I mean, Nazis are just an easy villain. And yeah. I mean, even though apparently, for whatever reason, people are Nazis are aren't easy villains anymore, according to some people, um, which is dumb. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're bad. Yeah. Um, um, there's this whole thing. I don't know, uh, you know, Taika Waititi. Right? Yeah. So he's making this movie called Jojo Rabbit. Okay. And it's a it's about Hitler. Okay. Like, Taika Waititi plays Hitler in the movie. Okay. Uh, I don't totally remember everything else about it, but... So it was a movie being developed by Fox. Now Fox has been bought by Disney. Yeah. I read something in the news this morning, something along the lines of, like, Disney doesn't totally feel comfortable making this movie. Yeah. Because Nazis are controversial or whatever. Yeah, and, again, bad fans. Uh, yeah. yeah. The bad um, fans. I think it's... It's going to be made. People are excited for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Teko Watiti is getting a name for himself. Uh, and, and he he plays such silly characters. He's clearly going to be making fun of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. He, played, he played Korg. He played Korg. He played, Korg. He played... Have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? No. Oh, he plays a vampire in that movie? Okay. And he's just like... 
He's uh, the least menacing vampire in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, he's I like Taika Waititi. Uh, he's great. Hunt for the Wilder People. See that. Yeah. See what see what we do in the shadows. You will love it. Okay. It's sure. one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry. Oh, sh- a random thing actually is um, the the first time we introduced to Hitler in this movie, the cape. I'm like that's a very uh, that's a very like vampire dramatic touch. It was just it was just funny to me that he had a cape. Uh, and there's a painting in the background right behind him where he's wearing the same exact uniform, the yeah. same exact pose. Yeah, and it's a very grand photo. Yeah, or painting. It's painting. I yeah. just said painting, and then I said photo. Uh, it's, and it makes him look very regal and shit. Yeah, and Hitler in this movie looks like such a fucking little goofball. Yeah, he's wearing. Like, it made me realize that that's kind of... We've done that with Hitler. Is that when he was in charge of Nazi Germany, he was the peak of manhood or whatever. You know, he was yeah. sort of... He looked like he does in that painting. And then you've got this, like, juxtaposition of just, like, Hitler is just the... Yeah, he's this, the shit. He, he's, he's... I mean, which he was. He was all kinds of sick. Yeah. Uh, he had problems shitting. Uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't know all that, but... Yeah, well, he had yeah. a lot of, like, sick problems. Yeah. And then he... Also, didn't he only trusted one doctor, but yeah. that doctor was really bad. In arguably, the medicines that doctor was giving him a included rat poison, uh, <laughs> and b just like like just a little bit of rat poison, not enough to kill him, but enough to make him go insane. Yeah, uh, like this doctor was slowly Hitler already insane, uh, like evil guy. Uh, I'm not going to be somebody who yeah, disputes that. He killed six million of my people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I laughed right after that. That sounded weird. Oh, uh, boy. Um, point is, I love that in hindsight, like, we've Hogan heroes him. We've just made him look, because he, he wanted to be portrayed as that painting, as he's got the cape. He's vampiric. He looks yeah. evil. He looks, but evil in sort of a dramatic way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet, he's portrayed often in this movie as just like a short, goofy guy with a dumb mustache. Yeah. Um, and the first scene we see him in is he's losing his shit. He the, the first time we see him, he's, he's just going nine, 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 and he's um, he looks dumb. Yeah. Uh, yet he's dressed in that sort of yeah, regality, yeah. Yes. vampiric regality. Yeah, that uh, overblown. I'm like, who who wears a cape? They're in practice. Like, have you ever seen the behind the scenes of like? Um, people filming for it's like you know the super, any superhero yeah. movie with a cape, right? It's like they trip over themselves with it all the time, and then it fucks up the choreography. Well, it's like The Incredibles. Yeah, no capes, no capes, no capes. No capes. Uh, capes are impractical. Yeah, uh, they look cool, and in actuality, they look cool in a controlled setting, like yeah. say a, a movie or a comic book, yes, where there's or, wind to blow up behind you, exactly where it's com- where the visuals of it are completely controlled. Um, but in, in actuality, it's impractical. Yep. Uh, a, a big flowing cape is hella impractical. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Batman would trip over himself a lot. Oh, a lot. Superman I can kind of get just because he's infinitely powerful, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but it's still, it's not practical for him. I mean, it's it would just... probably be tattered because he would just step through it so much. That's true. Yeah. But it's made out of super Kryptonian stuff supposedly or something i don't know maybe that was just the most recent movie supposedly he was wrapped in his cape 
uh, when he came to Earth. So I guess it could withstand a Kryptonian. I don't Wait, know. This is what which movie? Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Okay. Man of Steel. He finds a suit in in a ship that's like in the Arctic or something. Okay. We don't need to talk about. We don't need to talk about that. We we don't need to get into that. We're talking about Glorious Bastards, the film by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Samuel Jackson's in it. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a voiceover. I'm like, is that Samuel L? Yeah, really, he's in this. I'm trying to think. Of, like, so he's in, he's not in Reservoir Dogs, but he's in Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, very obviously. Uh, he's he's very much in Jackie Brown. Okay. Uh, he's in. Seen the Kill Bill movies? It's been so long since I've seen them. I don't think so, but I could be very much wrong. I haven't seen Death Proof. That's the only one I haven't seen. Yeah. If we're counting, I'm counting ones that he's directed. I'm not talking about Four Rooms. I'm not talking about True Romance. Uh, I'm not talking about From Dusk Till Dawn, which he appears in, but he didn't direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin Tarantino specifically yeah. appeared in that one. Uh, he's definitely in Django Unchained. Okay. He's definitely in The Hateful Eight. Was he in? He wasn't in Once Upon a Time. I don't think he was. I don't think so. He wasn't a voiceover either, right? No, that so, was Kurt Russell. Yeah, that's well, Kurt Russell, yeah. Yeah. There's another voiceover, I think, in the middle that I don't remember. I think it might be Quentin Tarantino who does the other voiceover. Okay, yeah. Because uh, Quentin Tarantino has to be in almost all his movies. That's something nice about this one. So we're not subjected to Quentin Tarantino's acting ability. <laughs> he's not a good actor. Uh, I mean, he's better, like, he's fine in some. Uh, yeah. I think, I think he's pretty good in Pulp Fiction. Uh, even though he, he uses it as an excuse to use the N-word a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it's just Django Unchained soured me so much on his acting ability. Okay. Uh, and speaking of other bad things about Quentin Tarantino, um, hmm, I was thinking about it during this movie. So, or, uh, so I don't know if it's 100% bad. Uh, it is something that it, on its face feels weird. Uh, is his, his foot fetish... Oh, I guess... Have you never... Okay. I didn't know this, but I guess we kind of saw that. All his movies really concentrate... They have a lot of concentration on feet. Oh, I noticed that in, like, uh, Once Upon a Time. That was like a when the dashboard... Feet on the dashboard. Yeah. Uh, We got a lot of Margot Robbie's very dirty feet, too. When she's in the theater, she, like, uh, puts them over the chair, and you can just see that the soles of them are incredibly dirty. Yes. Um, Which I think, like, he was doing a lot with... He kind of had this thing in... Um, once upon a time in Hollywood where he would show like small things of these women who were I mean Sharon Tate who Margot Robbie yes. portrayed it was like the most beautiful woman in Hollywood um, or at least you know up there yeah. uh, and Rick Dalton's wife later in the movie spoiler alert uh, the beautiful Italian actress yes. uh, they both have scenes of them snoring in the most unattractive way. Yeah. Uh, and I think whatever he's trying to say with that is also in the dirt, dirty soul, dirty feet uh, that yeah. she has. But you also get a little bit of, yeah, you get the, like, Manson girl who gets in the car with Brad Pitt and she is, yeah. she's putting her feet up on the windshield. Yep. Um, but yeah, you see in a lot of his movies, he really concentrates on, he has... Shots where he really concentrates on feet. Uh, you see that anytime like Uma Thurman's on screen, uh, he has said in interviews that Uma Thurman's kind of his muse. 
Uh, and it almost feels like uh, yeah. in like a sexual way uh, with the feet. Yeah, okay. Because uh, in, in Kill Bill, you see a lot of shots of her feet. Uh, I didn't remember that, but okay. Yeah. It's not bare feet as much in Kill Bill. Yeah. But uh, she definitely lets them hang out in, in Pulp Fiction. Uh, Reservoir Dogs doesn't really have female characters. Right. No, uh, no, other no. than like this one woman who gets shot. Right. Uh, I wouldn't really call it a character. Yeah, I would not either. Yeah, uh, and, uh, uh, this one, this, this one specifically, the, the, you, the um, hammer, hammer. Yeah, Diane Kruger's character. Okay, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize it was Diane Kruger. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was Diane Kruger. Okay. Uh, yes. She like it's it's this weird scene of Han, Hans Landa. It's it feels sexual almost. Yeah. Like sort of sort of like basic instinct sexual. Yeah. Where it's you know it, 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 it's it's psychosexual. It's scary. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's on this like thin blade of, of death and sex. Uh, Tarantino sometimes it's a little weird with on that line. Thin blade of sex. Uh, but also like at the same time, I I kind of didn't totally hate it in this movie. Yeah, because it it wasn't as like just it wasn't just out of context kind of. Well, it also sort of seemed like, oh, this is sort of like, like Hans Landa, I think he very much views himself as this sort of civilized, and this is a lot of the thing that's the difference between, say, him, Fassbender, and Daniel Bruhl, between the bastards. The bastards are sort of, yeah. they're, they're portrayed as the bear Jew. They're portrayed yeah. as, as beasts, as rats, yeah. as Hans Landa says in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, and you can almost tell that like Hans Landa and, and, and Michael Fassbender they they kind of view themselves as more as civilized. Yeah. Uh, in this scene of him, maybe this is me just going like justifying it. Um, but when he like, there's something just like watching him put, watching him as he, she puts the foot on uh, his lap, and then he strangles her right after. Yeah. And just this scene where he completely loses all. He loses his shit. Yeah. He loses his shit. Really he, he does. And and in that scene, I really feel like you're seeing this line of, oh, this is a guy who thinks he's this civilized. He's more human than other people, yeah. and that's one of the things with the Nazis in general. Of course, yeah. Is yeah. that they is that they view themselves as more human yeah. than um, people who aren't yeah. Aryan uh, uh, Aryan. Uh, and he kind of goes into this bestial nature that sort of just shows that no, just because you act this way doesn't make you more. And I think the, the there's something about like the bare sexuality of not sexuality, but like the sexual nature of the foot fetish thing that that I feel like that's sort of like a baser. I feel like I feel like Tarantino's leaning into that as being like that's a baser instinct within me, and I know that it's something that. That it, that some people that 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 can come off as a little gross. Yeah, and I think he wants it to come off as a little gross. Okay, yeah. In that scene, yeah, he focuses like he had. I think really... there are movies where he doesn't try and make it come off as gross. I think yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like once upon a time, they're just randomly there. No, so he's, yeah. he's not trying to make Mar. He's not trying to make Sharon Tate the character, the sorry, real person who was famously killed by the people. In that movie, uh, uh, he's not trying to. I feel like he's not trying to sexualize her in the same way, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or or yeah. make anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because in this one, I mean, she that shot went to such detail with the actual with the lace of the shoe. I was like, what? Why is this here? Yeah. In a way. Yeah. 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 I noticed. I was like, this is like incredible, like zoomed in detail of that. 
it, it felt weird, and it also still is building tension. Yeah. Uh, like, it's a, it's a good scene in the sense that it's building tension, but also at the same time, just knowing what I know about Tarantino with all the fucking feet in all his movies. Yeah. Uh, like, it's it's become a trope that people yell at him for feet in movies. Yeah. Uh, feet okay. in the N-word uh, seem to be two of his, his baser things that he likes to throw into movies. Uh, like, he almost sexualizes using the N-word. In a, in a weird way. Not sexualized. It's not sexualized. It's just, that's me having fun. Uh, not having fun. I don't know. <laughs> he has too much fun using the N-word is what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, yeah. Or at least in Django Unchained and Pulp Fiction, even. Yeah, uh, where his character says it the most. Yeah. But his character says it a lot in Django, which you haven't seen. I haven't seen it. He plays an Australian in Django. He can't do an Australian accent. Oh, no. He plays an Australian. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. Uh, I do really like Django Unchained for the most part. Yeah. Uh, just not his performance in it. <laughs> I think it's one of the worst parts of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I I this is Inglorious Bastards. I think is one of my favorites of, of his movie. It's okay. also the first one I ever saw. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw it in theaters. Uh, uh, the first one I saw was Pulp Fiction, just because it was hyped. So I, yeah. Yeah. No, I. I think I remember specifically a friend of mine was like, "Hey, I saw this movie. Me and my brother are going to go see it again. Do you want to go see it?" Oh. Uh, and I'd heard of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. I was like, "Was it? This came out two thousand nine? Yeah, two thousand eight. I I would have been sixteen, seventeen, um, at the time, and I I just had been I guess too young really to see uh, Tarantino movies. I didn't really. My parents really didn't let me watch our movies that much. Yeah, until I was old enough, it was really annoying. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I remember seeing this was just the first one that I saw and I saw it in theaters and it fucking just like I remember my head my, my little head would, which had never seen a Tarantino movie exploding this is like a little teenager and just being like oh fuck yeah fuck yeah uh, and my friend knew I was Jewish and he yeah. was just like I knew you'd like that <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and I'd heard of Quentin Tarantino before yeah, but I feel like I I only very vaguely knew Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Like, yeah. I knew they existed. Yeah. I knew they were great. I knew nothing about them. Um, I knew there was a gimp in Pulp Fiction because of Mad Magazine. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a gimp. Who's the gimp? There's a gimp. Uh, so it's the scene where, with Bruce Willis and Marcellus Wallace being ranked. Okay. Uh, they're kind of, like, fighting, and they go into this weird gun shop. Okay. And, and Zed's in there. Do you remember Zed? Oh, like, there's the random, like, oh, yeah, this is a really random part of the movie where they just run into, yeah. They, they run into these guys who are essentially neo-Nazis. Yeah. Uh, they, and they, 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 they begin to uh, sexually abuse uh, Ving Rhames' character. Yeah. Uh, yes, I remember. Sorry, and then yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah. There's a gimp in that scene in the basement. Oh. Like okay. a really weird moment in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Should we touch quickly on? Uh, so I just watched Spider Man three, but also Far From Home. We should, sure. We should, we should, we should talk about. It yeah, let's yeah. talk a little Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Well, really quickly. Uh, how, how many? How many stars are you going to give? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. How many Nazi scalps <laughs> are you going to give? Out of ten. Out of, yeah. Let's do ten. Oh, I would say like eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. 
I don't I don't really know what I'm comparing against or like I don't yeah. know either. It's I, a good movie. It's yeah. a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I just feel like we're doing a section on a movie. Let's rate it. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a nine point four Nazi scalps. Nice. I rank it really highly. It's just yeah. a movie I love. Yeah. Uh, nine scalps and one carving. Huh? Nine scalps and one carving. No, oh, there we go. That's a good one. I like. I like yeah. that. Eight scalps and one carving. <laughs> All right. So Spider Man. Which yeah. Spider Man movie do you want to talk so, about? So uh, just to, so we we'd already talked about two in the previous episode, right? Yes. So I saw three, which you've seen as well, right? I saw it um, a long time ago, before the first time I ever saw Glorious Bastards. Was the last time I saw Spider Man three? Yeah. And just I last saw it in theaters, <laughs> right? And then also I saw Far From Home, which is which is a good movie. Yeah. So saw um, that one more recently. Yeah, let's talk about Far From Home first, because I mean we, we'll shit on it less. We'll probably won't shit on it at all. Basically, I, I didn't. So I didn't realize Mysterio was. I mean, I knew Javik that he was supposed to be the villain. Yeah. I didn't realize that he's supposed to be the villain who like creates illusions. In oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'll just like they're treating him as a good guy, sure, whatever, and. Like it could be another flip, like the like the Kree scroll thing from Captain Marvel. So I was like, okay. And then like when they when they did the reveal, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that reveals a lot of fun. It's I a, knew it was coming, yeah, because uh, I've read the comic books. I yeah, know who Mysterio is. Yeah. He's a goofy villain from the comics. Yeah, he's like a very because that's I'm amazed that they used his comic like a very comic book accurate costume like the big crystal ball on the head yeah uh that's uh so in the the comics first of all he was created by stanley and steve ditko the original creator of spider-man yeah um you can't say that about a lot of like like venom wasn't created by those guys mm. uh well you can say that about almost every other one who's been in the movies was created by those guys now that i think about it um anyways <laughs> but mysterio is like one of the weirder ones that they created yeah. like like he's definitely more of a bc list guy but his thing is that he creates illusions he his thing in the comic books was that he was a special effects yeah vfx uh, I, I read VFX later guy. yeah VFX okay guy, yeah. actor and vfx guy yeah. uh and i i guess i liked the turn that uh he he turned out he worked with stark um, Holograms, yeah, yeah. I will say so. Obviously, spoilers for Far From Home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spoilers uh, all over. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, spoilers for every movie we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. Rosebud was the sled. Darth Vader yeah. uh, was Luke's father. Luke's father uh, throws the Empire down. Emperor down the shaft. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo killed by his own son. Yeah. Ray's uh, parents. Nobody. Ray's parents are nobody. Um, Snoke doesn't matter. Uh, Snape kills Dumbledore. Oh, uh, I, that's one I wouldn't know, but okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but whatever. Fucking read the Harry Potter. Yeah, uh, that's on you. That is on. <laughs> that is totally on me. Uh, uh, the so I liked how they executed this in this movie. You said we weren't going to shit on it, but I am going to say the one thing that is really just irking me about these Spider-Man movies is that Spider-Man is a more popular character than Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, after these Avengers movies, Iron Man's gained a lot of notoriety and popularity. Yes. But I don't like that so far both Spider-Man movies have been... I, first of all, I don't like him being Iron Man 2.0. Yeah, okay. Uh, I want sure. him to be Spider-Man. I want him to be Spider-Man. Okay, yeah. Just Spider-Man 1.0. I guess technically 3.0. Yeah. Because uh, there have been two other movies. Yeah. Uh, Maybe series. 4.0. Uh, Including... Into the Spider Verse. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Preps. I mean, his movie oh, Homecoming so came out before yeah, three point oh. So three point oh. Uh, 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 and I just don't like that so far. All of his villains 
haven't been about anything that he's done. It's all been him cleaning up Iron Man's messes. Okay. Uh, I like how they've executed it. I think it's interesting. I just wish that they weren't wasting all his screen time with cleaning up Tony Stark's shit. Yeah, okay. Uh, my one hope is, and I heard somebody on like Reddit posit this idea, is that is that Spider-Man's young enough you can do a trio of trilogies. Okay. So the first trilogy is about him cleaning up Tony Stark's messes. The next one is about him uh, is like, like this is just early career him. Yeah. The next trilogy is peak Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man being Spider-Man. He's the Avenger. Yeah. Everything he does is his shit. Uh, and then the last trilogy is he starts passing on the legacy. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. I'm not sure it's going to be exactly the trilogy. Of trilogy yeah, I, it's, it's hard to do nine movies and then also include yeah. him in all these other fucking movies. Yeah, I think like... like his, he would essentially be just owned by Disney for the rest of his life at that point. I think like the arc is going to be like what you said, though. Yeah. Whether or not it's exactly nine movies and more and then Avengers stuff. But yeah, it's I, just I, I hope we get more of him not not dealing with Tony Stark's consequences. And obviously, because this is the epilogue, essentially, yeah, to Endgame, Endgame uh, yeah. and spoilers, Endgame, Tony Stark dies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we said spoilers to everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anytime you hear us mention a movie, just assume that there's going to be spoilers to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like... We'll put that disclaimer in front of every, in front of every episode. We already said spoilers to Far From Home, and Far From Home very much talks about how Tony Stark oh, died yeah. in Endgame. Yeah. Uh, and so obviously it does have to kind of clean up those messes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a problem with how they executed it. It's just... Uh, and I enjoyed it the whole way through. Uh, and I want to be clear that I'm only concentrating it because it's the only thing that this movie that I'm like, I just want to see more Spider... I just want to see him being Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh... Well, I mean, so, okay, so my, my view, okay, just to talk about the reveal for a second. Yeah. Uh, the, the part that I cracked up the most was the, um, was the reveal that the, that the random scientist was the dude that got yelled at by, by, uh, by, uh, Stane. Obadiah Stane. Obadiah Stane. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I cracked up so hard. Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Uh, <laughs> that's the same actor. Uh, but he was also the same actor in Iron Man 1 who got yelled at by Jeff Bridges yelling, it is my actually- favorite line in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in a cave with, with rafts. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, it is the line is Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> yeah. Wait, actually, I might have just butchered it. Fuck it. I was uh, trying to correct you. I just wanted to say it. Can I be honest? Yeah. It's such a fun line. It's such a fun line. Oh, oh my god. I love Jeff Bridges. Oh uh, but it's the same. And I love that they brought that guy back. Because of course he has a bone to pick. Yeah. Because Jeff Bridges yelled at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same actor. Okay, cool. That's yeah. It's the same actor who was in a Christmas story as well. Yeah. Uh, on the so the, okay so things the things I can remember me cracking up about on this movie were that reveal the um, the the line where where Peter says, "Oh, I love Led Zeppelin," and it's ACDC in the background. I I lost my shit during that. The other uh, happy shield throw. That was so good. Just falls and it's like does nothing. I'm like that's that's such a good side character. Yeah. And the last one is obviously the uh, the J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah James. Yeah. I I lost my shit. Coming. I did not. I freaked the fuck out. I lost my because I could kind of (laughs) as that scene was happening. There's a small part of me that was like, are they gonna? Because as you you see the news anchor come on, there's a small part of me that's like, wait, there's a news anchor. And when I think of news, I think of J.K. Simmons. 
We've discussed this in my last movie that I have a weird love of Jonah J. Jonah specifically played by J.K. Simmons. Yes, he's really good in that role. Uh, he's perfect in that role. Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody else tried to play it, I don't. I would have trouble with it. Uh, and he just comes on screen and he's he's fucking. He's J.K. He's J.K. Simmons. He's, he's, he's J. Jonah Jameson. He's peak J. Jonah Jameson. I, I literally screamed in the movie theater. I was like, they fucking did it. They, they, <laughs> I, I, I was losing my shit. I was like right next to uh, a very good friend of mine who I, I, I talk to a lot about these Marvel movies. Uh, we've been talking about them since we were in high school together. Yeah. Uh, and I was sitting next to him. It was his wedding day. We, yeah. we watched this movie uh, hours before one of my dearest friend's weddings. Uh, and I'm sitting right next to him and I'm losing my shit because J.K. Simmons is back. <laughs> yes. J. Jonah Jameson is back. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the twist that he's revealing, yeah. uh, which is that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I hope that it gets fixed uh, somehow. Well, I, think I assume the whole next movie is going to have to deal with that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so okay. So let's talk about okay. So you mentioned not liking the uh, the fact that it's all, all these movies are about like cleaning up Iron Man messes, etc. Yeah, and I, and I get that. Um, at the same time, you know, so to me, it makes sense that. You know, they want to do the passing the torch thing. Yeah. It makes sense. They want to integrate. Well, they do. But also, it's, I feel like Spider-Man is a bigger character. And, like, yes, in universe, I understand that he's not as big a Yeah, he's, bigger. Just, he's just starting out. He's a piece of... Yeah, and so from, technically, it, but, but part of what I find appealing about Spider-Man as a character is he is on his own. Yeah. A little bit. He feels lost in the weeds. And that's what makes his major theme, which is with great power comes great responsibility, yeah. so impactful is that here's this guy and he's really fucking struggling and no one will help him. Yeah. And that's what I – you have that great scene in Homecoming where just like Happy Hogan's not listening to him. Tony Stark's not listening to him. None of these adults are listening to him. He has to do this shit for himself. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's like he is – the pathos of the character, because what was interesting is he was really the first superhero who, um, when he was introduced, like 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 Batman and Superman were gods. All yeah. the DC superheroes were gods. They were they were flawless individuals, and he was just this like kid. Yeah, and he, um, and the appeal of that character was that he was a human being. He he was flawed. He his. In his origin story, he makes this mistake yep. um, that and leads to his uncle being killed. Yep. And it informs his character for the rest of his existence. Yep. And that he's like, if I fuck up, like, I have to trust in myself. Um, I, if I fuck up, if I don't help people, as he says, as he... Uh, as he says in Homecoming, instead of with great power comes great responsibility. If you if you are able to do things and you don't do them, uh, bad things happen. Essentially, yeah, he says something. Yeah, like yeah that. no, it's Civil War. It's uh, like uh, it's like something like uh, if you can do th- when you can do the things that I can do, and you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, which means he takes on full responsibility. Yeah. So um, I don't. I I I don't necessarily need to see him like i i think they're, they're trying to do that in a more macro sense where it's like yeah. oh i have the ability to take on take ownership of yeah Tony stark's things yeah uh I, I, yeah so i think like the way they're gonna go with you may still have some peak spider-man stuff but i think uh 
I don't think we're going to get the same thing as like the the, the Tobey Maguire series or yeah. I mean, or, obviously or they, they want to differentiate. Yeah, and the, it's going to be an integrated into the Avengers type thing. You know, it's not going to. Yeah, yeah. It's just I I think that's the most interesting thing about that character. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's just a dude that's trying really hard. Yeah. yeah, it's just a dude who's trying really hard, and he's like a poor guy from Queens. Yep. Uh, and when you take that away from him, you take away a lot of what is compelling about him. Yeah. So I think yeah, that's I think that may be the thing about the reveal of, about the 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 J. Jonah jo- Jameson reveal where he just tells everybody that Peter Parker is Spider Man. That that kind of that puts him back more onto the track of he's an Avenger. And he's got the resources of an Avenger versus he's just on his own. Because without that, right, it's like, okay, occasionally maybe like Happy can help him out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he's still trying to keep his identity secret. He's still trying to just be a normal kid. But if you just throw it out there, then it just becomes this thing where he's like, well, I guess I'm this thing. Like, I guess if I'm going to be this thing, I I might as well get all the resources to to, to like back it up. Well, it's just – yeah, that leads to two things, which is one – all these stories from here on out have to be have to throw that little bit of bit away. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I just said is what I find to be most compelling. Yeah. About character. Yeah. Uh, is is you have to throw that away, and he's just Spider Man taking on this responsibility, or they have to put the genie back in the bottle, which yeah. they did do in the comics in one of the most reviled Spider Man stories. <laughs> uh, basically, in the comics for Marvel Civil War, in in the in those yeah. in the Marvel version of that. One of the mo- the biggest moments is that Spider Man reveals his identity, mm. uh, like in a press conference. Yeah, uh, and it's this huge deal, and it changes things forever. And then eventually, his enemies kill Aunt May, which was the reason he always put the mask on. Yeah, uh, and he ends up making a deal once again. This is the most one of the most reviled, disliked Spider Man stories, where he makes a deal with Mephisto, who was Marvel's devil. Yeah, uh, uh, they just couldn't call him devil, the devil in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, um, that basically he's like, oh, okay, if you, he basically makes a deal with the devil about like putting the genie back in the bottle where he, um, makes his identity secret again and his aunt May comes back to life. Yeah. Uh, but in doing so, uh, he and Mary Jane were never married and also Mary Jane was pregnant at the time and it just, she wasn't pregnant anymore because oh. they weren't married. Uh, yeah, it just like undid their relationship. Uh, it's one of those things where it was just like we don't know how else to put this genie back in the bottle I think the one thing they showed at the end of that movie is that scrolls were involved the the shape changers Yes. Uh, and so I think that's a way they may end up just being like no uh, they may just have uh, Spider-Man flying around and then somebody one of the scrolls is Peter Parker uh, or something I don't know know how they'll do it but I feel like they're going to end up doing that just because this is something often complained about, and rightfully so, about both Marvel and DC Comics, any superhero, long-running superhero comics, is that they always revert to the revert to the mean, to the average, yeah. to the status quo. Um, so, I mean, obvi- like, I don't know. I'm clearly I want them to do that, but at the same time, I feel like if they do do that, it'll come off as very clumsy. So yes. that is my one issue with that is I don't want either. Thing. Yeah, it seems like yeah, it seems like a no win. Yeah, with that yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm I mean, sure my, they have a plan. My my opinion is they probably will go with the reveal because all their heroes in their in in this universe have been like revealed pretty much. Yeah, like, nobody's had their nobody's really kept their identity secret. 
So I feel like they're just going to go in that direction and lean into it. That That's my personal call on that. Yeah, it's yeah. just like Spider-Man is so intertwined with the idea of a secret identity yeah. that it's just like, like, like Iron Man has never been, well, he, for many years in the comics, did have a secret identity. Yeah. It was dumb. Uh, and it made more sense when they when they made him a public character. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Captain America. Uh, that's a character who really did not make sense to have a secret identity. Yeah, never did, probably. Uh, right. He did. Oh, actually. he did, actually. Yeah, for a while. Uh, I know Thor had a secret identity. Thor did, and it was dumb. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, it, it wasn't dumb. Yeah. Most of the characters in the Marvel Universe, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, that they've made movies about, haven't had secret identities. Uh, that mattered, yeah. That ma- like that mattered. They, I'm sure most of them in the comics did have did do the secret identity dance, and for the most part, when they did do it, it was dumb. Captain Marvel did it, uh, Carol Danvers, mm. and it was dumb. Uh, pretty much all of these, I'm just gonna like think of it. Oh, it was dumb. Spider Man was not dumb. Yeah. The the thing with Captain Marvel is that just kept changing it. It was like annoying, and it was just annoying watching her have like I don't. We don't want to watch her be a magazine editor. We just want to watch her blow things up. We don't want to watch Thor be a human. Yeah. We want to watch Thor before, uh, and it's more fun when he's his secret identity is just him hanging out. When he is on his doing his downtime, he's hanging out in Asgard. That's way more fun. Yeah. Uh, they did do it slightly better in the eighties, where he didn't turn into Donald Blake anymore, his human self. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Let's. Keep yeah. Going. Yeah. Um, anything else for about Far From Home? I mean, I just I enjoy it. It's it's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, no. Very solid. Very solid, yeah. I I feel like it sounds like I've only had negative things to say about it. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Dick Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Really great. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, very very well acted in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so good. Uh, You can see him slowly, like, losing his sanity, and he's good. There's that scene where uh, Spider-Man, Night Monkey, uh, Monkey, (laughs) lands in the Netherlands. Yes. uh, And they... um, He's like in jail with those two really nice soccer balloons. Yes, that's that's my favorite bit of comedy in the movie. Oh, that's, is him yeah. and the, him in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, uh, and um, well, maybe it's not. I don't know. It's the one that's coming to mind. Uh, that scene, the illusion scene in Berlin. Yeah, with him and Mysterio is phenomenal. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, MJ is great in this too. Actually, yeah, she's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I mean you can kind of tell that like. I mean, it's a well-written character where it's like you can tell that she pushes people away by saying like weird, controversial shit and then liking it. Yeah, like she likes. She's the like black... a little edgy teenager. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> like, I like the Black Dahlia murders. It's like you want to watch a movie together. Yeah, only if it's depressing or hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, she's yeah. like a little. She's a little edgy girl. Yeah, uh, she's fun. And it's uh, like when she says, she's "Got like, a good sense of humor." When she says she knows his identity. Yeah, and then she's like later. She's, she's like. um... Oh, I, I wasn't watching you to try to figure out if you were Spider-Man. Like, I just had bad luck getting close to people. Like, yeah, getting close to people. I'm like, yeah, that pretty much your character telegraphs that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's funny that, like, like, Peter doesn't realize that exactly because, like, as an audience member, it's, like, totally obvious that that's her thing. Yeah. 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 So, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Spider-Man 3. I, oh, so my God. This I movie. don't remember it super well. Uh, I remember... Obviously, certain scenes. I'll, I'll uh, recap the overall, the jazz scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll recap the overall plot. Everything's going well. Yeah, uh, with uh, with Peter and Mary Jane, uh, he's like Gwen Stacy's introduced. It's a mess, dude. This thing is a mess. Sandman escapes. It's, he's, it's Betty Brant, if I'm recalling. Yeah, no, it was Gwen. No, no, Stacey no, no, no. it's Gwen Stacy. Yeah, Gwen Stacey. you sure? 
It's definitely Gwen. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Sandman escapes. He has this thing. Becomes Sandman. First, he's just Flint Marco. Uh, there's like the there's the Harry thing. Discovering yeah. that uh, Peter is Spider Man, then attacking him, then losing his memory. There's that's a plot line. Losing his memory, becoming like Happy Harry again, yeah. but then reverting to Goblin again, and then that's so interesting. And then that's straight out of the comics. Yeah. So he, <laughs> so it's it's really rushed. So he becomes he's like at first he attacks Peter, then he loses his memory. It becomes Happy Harry, just like just like cool dude, whatever. Then he reverts to the Goblin because he remembers shit. And like breaks up Mary Jane and and and, uh, mm-hmm. and Peter for and so then after at the very end he becomes good again so that's it's really a mess it's like five different changes for him but he he like sacrifices himself right yeah he actually okay. does yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he does I'm, I'm trying to see if I remember because I remember a really bad looking fight scene that had all four of those characters Spider Man yeah. Venom Sandman and the Green Goblin yeah yeah. If, it ended up being the three of them against Venom, right? Sandman just goes away for a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's and there was like a pull. And... This is me yeah, yeah, pulling polls. back memories from... Oh, I think I saw this movie last. I was, it was in middle school. There were polls, yeah. So, okay, so that's the... that's uh, It's easier to lay these sub- subplots, out, subplots out in parallel rather than like actually trying to explain it in, in the chronological order that yeah. happened in the movie because it's just so confusing. You got to Tarantino it for me. I get yeah. it. Yeah. The other, so there's a subplot where with the Eddie Brock and, okay, part of the, part of the Mary Jane breaking up with him subplot is that uh, he saves, he saves Gwen, right? And then the city gives him the key to the city and then he does the upside down kiss with Gwen as a publicity stunt, basically. <gasps> How dare he? And then, uh, there's even a kid in the front row that's like, don't do it, Spider-Man. There's a little kid yelling. Is that... I'm trying to see if my memory fits here. Gwen, played by Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard? I feel, I feel like that's the name. Yeah, I think okay. that's the right name. So. Yes. So, there, okay, that's the that's the Gwen subplot. And then, uh, so the, the Eddie... Okay, so the Sandman subplot is that he just is Sandman. He's got a daughter or something. He's got a daughter. He, he, steals, he steals shit. Yeah. And then, but then Peter finds out that Flint was actually the person that killed Uncle Ben. Oh, yeah. yeah so that's that's the uh, that's the Sandman subplot, and then finally the Venom subplot is like it's it's also messy. So there's the 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 Peter Venom subplot is he just yeah. becomes he he gets the black coating, he gets the symbiote, and then he be, he becomes assertive and all that shit, which is pretty messy and then he goes to a church he goes to a church where eddie brock happens to be praying for god to kill peter parker yeah oh so he embarrasses he embarrasses eddie brock in front of the in front of the um the entire daily uh, daily Bugle or something staff yeah. and gets him fired and so eddie brock hates him but so it goes to the church to pray that uh for god to kill peter parker and then spider-man happens to be up there and uh bangs himself into the bell to get rid of the symbiote because it, it's afraid of sound it's afraid of sound and then it goes on to Eddie Brock and Eddie actually sees that as Peter also so and then okay okay so it all culminates in the scene where um Spider-Man goes to face Sandman and Venom right uh who have basically captured Mary Jane damseled her mm-hmm. up very high and he's fighting them. He's losing, and then and then uh, Harry comes back and and you know helps them. They fight together. Uh, a, a little bit of reconciliation between yeah. the two former best friends. Yeah. 
he he does pull he he gets all these freaking like glass poles yeah to to isolate the the venom symbiote yeah and then, and like he he throws like a, a construction site yeah a construction okay. site he okay, throws a, he throws a goblin grenade into the symbiote to destroy it but Eddie just like dives into it saying because he loves the symbiote for some reason. And then that's how Eddie dies. That's weird. That's so weird. It's so... It's such a mess, dude. And then, okay, so San... Okay, so the ending is like... Not the full ending, but the last part of the battle is that... Um, is that Flint Marco tells the true story of what happened, which is that he accidentally killed Ben Parker. And he regrets it. And then Spider-Man forgives him. And he just flies off. He doesn't die. He just flies off. Wait, Sandman does it? Yeah, flies... Yeah, Sandman just flies off peacefully. Okay. And it's right. never resolved because it's supposedly, I guess they left it for the fourth movie. I, there was the idea, like, I do know, number one, a big issue with this movie was that uh, one of the villains, I think Venom, the studio really wanted it. Yeah, and, and then Sam, Sam Raimi didn't. didn't yeah. uh, or at least he was like, I want to save that for later. Because uh, they were, like, going to do a fourth movie. Yeah. Uh, and then they did not because that this one was so widely banned. Yeah, uh, the it did well. It did okay in the box office. I checked this later. Yeah, and the Rotten Tomatoes isn't actually as low as I thought it would yeah. be. But like, it's it's a mess, dude. Like, the the, the Venom scenes where 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 it's so let's just give me help me get the nomenclature right. Right. So okay. Venom is the symbiote, right? Yeah. So okay, so the Venom scenes with Peter Parker are just like I'm like, dude, this is the only thing I know about Venom is from um, the animated series. Personally, but like, I think it mostly gets it right. I don't know. I'm a, as a, I, I'm not a big Venom fan in the comic books yeah. or any of that. I'm not a big symbiote fan. Okay, in general, part of what I don't like about Venom is they've turned him into more of an anti-hero, yeah. and then in doing so, they've had to create crazier symbiotes who could be villains to make Venom more sympathetic. Okay, yeah. uh, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is where you get like Carnage and your anti-Venom and yeah. your Toxin. They're right now, yeah, they're all sorts of names. Uh, right now, they're doing a major event called Absolute Carnage in the comics. It just started last okay, week. Yeah. But yeah, we're probably we're, going longer than we planned. Yeah, it's okay. It's about coming up on 10. Okay. I should let you go soon. But um, uh, so, yeah. Okay, so my thing with the Venom in this movie, so I I like the idea of Venom. You know, it's it's very obviously a representation of the of every person's shadow or like the, the darker side of everybody. It's very heavy metal, right? It's like very angry and it's very like it's like the idea of tapping to it's like Tyler Durden. It's like tapping to the anger or whatever and becoming very assertive and just doing whatever the fuck you want, right? In this movie it's like dancing, like bad revenge and emo haircuts. Yeah. And I'm like and he doesn't he doesn't actually the the, the only scene where it actually achieves the full potential I think is where he embarrasses the fuck out of Eric Brock by just like shoving up against the wall and all that stuff right that's that's where i'm like okay that that is actually full venom but every other scene is just like this is a this is this is this is like maybe whoever decided to do right the plot line this uh -huh. way their idea of like oh this is like what an all like somebody dressed in all black means this is like that must mean emo. So we're gonna give totally require an emo hair. Dumb haircut. He gets the scene where he walks into a a, a revolving door. Yeah. And he comes out in, in, in a all black suit. suit. 
And he's doing the fucking... He's dancing and snapping. Yeah, he's a jazz man now. He yeah. goes off to the fucking jazz club, Yeah, uh, where I guess Gwen Stacy is. Yeah, he, uh, he has a date with he, Gwen. And he yeah. dances with her while he like looks at Mary Jane and yeah. he's like... Hey, look at you! Um, look at me! Look at me! I've got a, I've got a hot blonde, and I'm making out with her. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, oh, this, this doesn't, this is not, not, ah, you know, all those feelings. I don't, I'm like, oh, this does not work. I think that's the, that's the weakest part of it because it's, yeah, like I said, it's supposed to be this heavy metal thing where he's just like takes no prisoners, but he just, he uses, he just makes Mary Jane jealous. Like, well, you know what? Let me tell you, this is my feeling on Venom, is he thinks he's heavy in metal, like, everyone yeah. thinks he's a heavy metal character, and for me, he's just a cringy little, edgy little shit, okay. that's why I never care about Venom as a character. Okay, that's uh, fair, that's fair. Well, I admit the current run written by Donny Cates is actually surprisingly pretty good. Okay. Uh, I'm done talking about comic books. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and then him going on to Eddie Brock, like, n- neither of them really embody that side of the character that much. Yeah. It's just like, they're slightly... Darker, they're slightly more emo when they when they have the symbiote, and they're they're just not they're not actually they don't seem that much more assertive either one of them, and it, yeah. How many? Okay, far from home. How many? How many? How many webs? I feel like I got to give it specifically something from far from home. Okay, let me think here. How many? How many fire elementals are you giving far from home? I'd say, uh, man. I've, I'd say nine. Nine? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. I'd say nine. I'm going to give it eight. Yeah. Far from home. Yeah. All right, Spider-Man 3, how many, um, how many swooped hairstyles? No. <laughs> how many... Let me think here. Let me think. Far... Uh, no, Spider-Man 3, how many... Uh, how many snaps are you going to give it? Oh, man. Because he's snapping. He's a little oh, jazz man. man. He's snapping. It's a, I'd say a four, an enjoyable four, but nonetheless a four. I'm going to hold off my writing of it because I haven't seen you it. haven't in, seen it in a while. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say 13 years. Yeah. Uh, which is almost half my life. So uh, I'll rewatch it one of these days. You it's, know, there are other movies I'd rather watch. Yeah. But I feel like I wouldn't hate my time watching it. I, I think I'd have fun watching yeah, it. Yeah. It's an enjoyable mess. Like I said, it's, yeah. it's definitely a mess and it's definitely, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't consider it good. But it's enjoyable, partially just for the cringe of it. I think there are a lot of movies that are bad and boring to watch. Yeah. I don't think Spider-Man 3 is one of those. Right. It's I think it's actively bad, but you have fun watching it. Yes. Uh, if my memory serves. Yeah. And, oh, just, like, I think we talked about this before the podcast, but the trailer, I remember. The one thing I remember from the trailer, the two things are the venomness, right? The black coming all over everything. And then the scene where he has the, where he's like... The ring is falling out, right? He's like trying to grab the ring, and it's you know. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I might remember this. Trying to grab the the wedding ring, and it's like symbolic of like him losing himself, right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is. It looked. I mean, this is from years ago. This is actually when it was going to be originally released. I remember yeah. those trailers, and I was like, this is going to be so cool. I I remember the trailers didn't betray how bad it ended up being. Yeah, and it ended up being like that was just one random moment. I mean, yeah, there's a subplot of him losing her, but it wasn't because, like, the way he lost her through Venom was this whole jealousy thing instead of being becoming a genuinely bad person, right? Yeah. It's like if he, if she had seen him, like, kill somebody or, like, do some really bad shit, that, yeah, 
then it might have worked. But it's no, he just makes out with Gwen or dances there. I don't think he. It's nothing truly dark and evil. Yeah. See, in the when he's like giving into the venom shit in the comics, it looks like he's about to kill Mary Jane in one scene. Yeah, I will say is something that they did better in, in the comics. Yeah. Have you? Did you see the Venom movie that came out? No. Okay, neither did I. I've heard uh, it. It plays like an early two thousands. I heard yeah. everything I hear about it makes it sound like it's just like what I just said that it's a bad movie, but it's yeah. fun to watch. Bad. Yeah. Movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll watch that someday. Yeah. I won't pay for it, but I think it might be on HBO. Okay. So, yeah. Who knows. All right. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's let's That's finish it. the podcast. Yeah, it's late. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. This is uh, Eco and Zach signing off. Uh, I, I'm your Z. Do we say that? No, we don't say that at this part of the podcast. Uh, we usually plug, but nah. Uh, follow me on Letterbox, the app. I just got one of those. Tuesdays at the Annoyance, seven thirty mint. Uh, Tuesdays at the Co-op. Eight o'clock. Oh, ooh, oh, we're competing, competing now. We're competing. Uh, no, go see Mint. Uh, like, don't not go see the co-op. Go go see Mint, and the next the next week goes go to the co-op. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. <laughs> Signing off. Signing off. Econ Zach.